Welcome to Growth Colony. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Today, we've got an edited version of our ABM Talks session we held on May 7, 2021. ABM Talks are open AMA-style sessions for ABM experts and the curious to discuss what's happening in the world of account-based marketing and ABX. If you want to participate in one of these sessions, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. In this session, we're discussing how to transition from demand gen to an account-based strategy. You'll be hearing about how your marketing tactics are going to differ for successful account-based engagement, how you're going to change your KPIs and metrics to measure success, how your relationships and interactions with sales are going to change, how you should change your approach to account and vertical research, as well as what tools you're going to need. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. That's enough for me. Let's dive right in. So I think that's a good point to get started in on this topic, like transitioning from demand gen to an account-based strategy. And Sheen, uh, do we want to start by discussing the difference between the KPIs between the two? Yes. I mean, that's a good that's a good place to start, right? When I was uh, when I was kind of writing some notes yesterday about this, there was I think there's about six differences or six things to take into consideration when when somebody's moving from demand gen to to ABM. And the most important component of it, just like I said, is the KPI of like, what are you, what are you measuring for the success of your campaign um, and how are you measuring it, right? So the KPI component, so what do we measure in, in, uh, in demand gen? Demand gen, traditionally, it's, it's really big to measure MQLs, uh, you know, you get your leads, marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads. Uh, or in between, you might have sales accepted leads. That's the uh, that's the pl- process that you usually go through. Now, the challenge with with that is a lot of these larger organizations. It's really hard to to turn them into a lead, right? And also, when you when you run an ABM strategy, you are not looking at in demand gen your 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 TAM your total addressable market could be hundreds thousands of accounts. Right. And if you're looking at those numbers, maybe you have some SDRs who are doing outreach, sales development reps who are doing outreach. Maybe you have uh, the, the marketing is running their ads in a pool of a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand accounts. You can definitely look at, you know, how many leads that we bring in, how many uh, how many opportunities were created from those. But when you have such a smaller circle, it becomes much more difficult. So. In demand gen, you are going through a numbers game, but in an account-based strategy, you're looking at a much smaller number of accounts, and therefore you can't look at MQLs. You can't look at those numbers. So if your if your SDR team is compensated on on numbers, on how many opportunities they created, how many meetings they've booked, that becomes a big problem in in ABM, and upper management very quickly sees that as a as an issue very quickly sees that an issue and and basically says that hey we we ABM is not working for us because our SDR team is not hitting their hitting their mark they're not hitting their numbers so KPIs is a big big components that one needs to to be aware of you're not playing in the numbers game anymore you are looking at shifting that to to uh, uh, a, a, a a more quality versus quantity right so you then want to 
want to incentivize both marketing and sales to look at, for example, number of meetings that they're booking. Look at, uh, and, I, and I know pipeline uh, pipeline influence is is uh, is getting or revenue influence is getting a lot of a lot of hate sometimes. But in when you're when you're approaching ABM, pipeline influence and revenue influence from marketing becomes a really important metric to also uh, to also measure. So, so those are some of the some of the key components. The the most fundamental thing that we see with clients is changing that mindset that you're not looking at numbers, and it takes a fundamental approach because your sales development reps get compensated on that. So it's all good to talk about, hey, we are not going to look at quantity and we're going to look at quantity. But if they are making their their salary is coming from quant- quantity, there is no there's no shift that is going to happen, right? So I think that is a that is one of the key components when you're shifting from demand gen to ABM to make sure that you're looking at quant- quality versus uh, versus the the quantity of of, uh, of demand gen or, or you know just pure outreach and outbound uh, strategies that that uh, the marketing and the sales team were, were implementing previously, right? That's I think the um, the key difference. Now. What do I have? I, I got I got a couple other points that uh, that we need to we need to take into consideration. We just got a question coming just now, Shane, from Ranju. Did we? Yeah, uh, Ranju, if you'd like to come up and ask it yourself, more than welcome. Ranju, jump on. Yeah, uh, my question was regarding commission-based pay. So, uh, would you say that ABM involves commission-based pay for marketing and inside sales? Uh, given that it's actually quality over quantity of leads, mm. yeah, it. I think. Well, I mean, sales. Your SDRs will be based on commission, right? The SDRs will be based on obviously they they the, the ratio between a an SDR being comp, their compensation compared to an AE is different, and 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 that's lower for an SDR. But uh, they're they're usually compensated on. Uh, they have a base. And a, uh, and, a, and a commission, their commission is probably about maybe 20 to 30%. In terms of marketing, being commissioned, having a, um, a, a revenue target that they're compensated on, it's really hard to make that work. I haven't seen an organization who, who has, able to, has been able to do that because marketing is a little bit too removed from that component obviously there are bonuses that that could be implemented but in terms of marketing i haven't seen it being implemented successfully so that they're tied into tied into revenue because also the other thing that you got to keep in mind is the sales cycles are usually extremely long i mean if you're going after a big bank you might be going after that big bank for two years so sdr is getting compensated on opening doors you know, marketing, the, then the challenge is what do you compensate marketing on? Are they also on, on opening doors? It's a little bit unfair. Are they going to be compensated on revenue? It's going to be an extremely long sales cycle. They might never see that. Therefore, that motivation component, that might not work. So SCRs definitely would, would be on, on commission. They would have a commission component in their, in their salary. Marketing, it's, it's, a, it's a much hazier uh, and, and challenging um, equation to solve. So, uh, so probably, probably not, or at least I haven't seen a successful model. Cool. But yeah, as uh, Noam, yeah, go for it. 
Okay, so you were saying how you shouldn't focus on the numbers or like book meetings for the SDR. So what should they be compensated on more um, if it's not on? Because at the moment we do have that. We have someone who is diligently on the phones and booking some pretty good meetings. And and now we're talking about, you know, compensating him and there was discussion around, you know, how many meet, uh, meetings he can book being the sort of KPI. But then I sort of wondered if that it, if that might drive him to keep trying to book meetings with the wrong companies. You know, how do we make sure that it's quality and and that rather than just numbers? Yeah, so the SCR team will still be compensated on the meetings that they book. That is still a, a pretty important, pretty hard thing to do. Usually, you know, if you assign that to an AE, you know, they're, they're too senior. Sometimes they would not want to go through that process and uh, they want to focus on what, what is closer to, to money. So SCRs will still be compensated on that. But the, the, the thing that you got to think about is, you know, you might in a traditionally, you might go and first of all, make sure that you provide the list to your SDRs. It, it, improves their efficiency significantly compared to compared to where they have to find their own accounts. Some situations you might not have resources and you might have to, they might have to do that, right? But if you can provide those accounts. Now what you got to think about is previously you might have a um, you know an SDR might be doing 40 outreaches, right? So they they have 40, 40 calls per day that they're they're doing. They might be hitting up 100 accounts per month. Or, or even more up to, you know, maybe 200, 300 accounts per month. But an ABM strategy, if you're implementing an ABM strategy, you're saying you might, in a, let's just give an example. You might say there are 20 top financial institutions in Australia that we want to, we want to close. We want to approach them, we want to close them. Then the question becomes, all right, so if, if there are only 20, if your SDR team were hitting 40, 40 dials a day, and they were booking maybe two meetings a day. Well, that's not going to happen against 20 accounts. That's where you got to start changing your, your mindset. I'm not saying to, if, 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 you're, if your current outreach model is working, I'm not saying change that. But if you are taking a more strategic approach and you're saying, you know, these are, these are 20 accounts that we want to run a campaign against uh, and we want to close them one after another or book meetings there, that's where that model breaks. That if the if the SDR team is gonna is being compensated on the number of meetings that they're booking, all of a sudden they're sitting back and they're like, okay, what what do you mean like this quarter I have only 20 accounts that I'm going after? Well, uh, how many meetings am I able to book from from 20 accounts? So you then have to look at, you know, changing the the commission structure. Is it going to be based on getting into these accounts? Is it, you know, is is the, if they're booking, if you identify the decision makers that you're going after, and if they book a meeting with that decision maker, is the commission going to be higher than, the, than you know, traditionally where they were kind of booking, calling all these accounts and and booking with, with whoever, um, or it's from a non targeted account. So that's where you got to think, Noam, in terms of uh, in terms of SDR compensation. They're looking at 20 accounts only and maybe marketing or sales ops or rev ops is giving them, hey, these are the most important people that uh, these are the people that we want you to target. And if they book meetings with those those individuals, how are you going to compensate them? Does that answer your question, Noam? Yes, I think I think so. I'm sort of thinking about how we can kind of yeah, maybe marketing needs to get more involved in sort of that that first target list. Absolutely. So so marketing becomes really crucial in terms of who. So 
when you're when you're selecting your target account list with 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 an a account based strategy, you don't necessarily want to leave it all to sales. Uh, sales has amazing input, has uh, you know has, has much better understanding of of usually the market and the accounts. But they don't know everything. Most, a lot of times, we go in and we realize that uh, you know we maybe marketing would do some research and bring additional accounts that sales didn't know about. So you usually want to have again sales op or rev ops, whatever the organizational structure you have. Someone from the from the sales and revenue operations, marketing would be at the table and sales would be at the table in order to select those accounts and. What you would see in a lot of situations, it would fall under, again, the sales ops or marketing to enrich those accounts. So identify who are the decision makers. Obviously, previously, you've, you've identified who the personas are that you want to go after, but then you want to you go and further enrich those, those, uh, those lists to build out who are the most important people that you need to reach out. And then sitting down with sales and be like, okay, we know exactly who we're reaching out in these 20 accounts. How are we going to how we're going to approach it. And as a result, sales ops needs to come in and say, you know, this is how they're going to be compensated. Okay. So a couple other points to, uh, to keep in mind and, and look at. So the other thing that, that is maybe a little bit different in, in ABM is the, is the reliance on, on advertising. Now, advertising is definitely there, but with ABM, you start to see a more, um, a more even spread across the channels that you're going to leverage in order to book a meeting, uh, you know, open doors in an account that you're going after. So demand gen, heavy focus on whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, um, whatever advertising platform is being used, there's, there's a there's massive amount of uh, attention on that. A lot of successful campaigns that we've we ran, advertising budget is sometimes very minimal. Uh, first of all, you're, you're targeting fewer accounts. So you're, you're being very, per campaign, you're, you're targeting fewer accounts. Again, as I said, for the previous example, you might be looking at 20 accounts. You might be looking at, you know, you might be pushing it to, uh, to maybe a cluster of 50 accounts. Or you might sometimes be looking at four accounts, the four big banks in Australia, for example. So you're, you're adver- the, the reliance on advertising drops and would you obviously direct mail is a big component. I know everybody talks about it, but it is a it is a big component, and we are a little bit luckier than the rest of the world, considering everybody's pretty much back in the office, with the exception of what happened, you know, this week in in Sydney. But uh, but but everybody's pretty much back in the office, and and we can still leverage. Now we can go back and leveraging direct mail, um, and 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 the other component is, it's really important for marketing. To also look at the sales development component as another channel to open up doors, and 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 not separating it from all the other uh, all, all the other challenge ch- channels that they leverage. In a lot of organizations that we work with, it's like okay, marketing we only have these these channels, and then sales development is a separate thing. It it becomes a lot more effective bringing sales development into this into the uh, mix and saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be doing advertising, whether again that's LinkedIn or IP targeted advertising, but we are also gonna leverage direct mail, but we're also gonna leverage calls with our sales sales team. We're also gonna leverage email, both from marketing and sales. So uh, and and you know LinkedIn social selling and all those components. So the the 
the boundaries mix, the, 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 the borders mix and become a little bit more fuzzier and, uh, and, and the spread of resources become a lot more even across, across all channels with, with ABM. So that's, that's one other difference to take into consideration. The other thing is the messaging. So usually I say that you have five different, uh, five different components or five different ways that you can approach your messaging. You have a company level messaging that you usually put on your website. Uh, it's, it's generic to the whole market. It's telling everybody what you do and, and usually organizations have it, have it fairly generic. Then you go at a industry level, industry or a sector um, or a vertical level that you might have a specific messaging for the financial services. You might have a specific messaging for banking or uh, mining or whatever it is, right? So you become, your messaging becomes focused on a, on a vertical. Then you have persona specific messaging where now you're talking to a, um, a specific persona in an organization. Uh, it could be, you know, you might be talking to the CIO, you might be talking to the security manager, you might be talking to whoever it is, the HR, head of HR. So you, you have a persona level. Then you go further granular and uh, in, in ABM, and this is where the, the ABM components start to come in. You might have specific messaging for an account and, uh, and, and you create a whole campaign, a whole messaging for, for one account. And then the last component is messaging for a for a specific stakeholder within an uh, within an organization so that's usually the, the 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 funnel of messaging that you 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 see and when you run an abm campaign you might have a mix of these that you're using you might have uh, messaging to a stakeholder to an account uh, and, and, and as you go lower in the abm pyramid you would have it at the vertical level you, you can have a personal level but Usually in demand gen, it doesn't go beyond a, a, a persona level messaging. In ABM, you go deeper. You, you definitely see that account level messaging and you, you, in, in many situations, you see stakeholder messaging as well. That's, uh, that's another component to keep in mind. Obviously, you can't do that for all accounts. So you got to be extremely strategic in terms of which account you're going to go at, at, a, at a stakeholder level and an account level because it requires a massive amount of budget if you if you have too many of them and this is this is by the way this is a this is a problem that a lot of organizations make that they're like hey it's okay we we do messaging for across a number of accounts and let's put 50 accounts there and they they jump in if it's the first time they're doing and they all of a sudden realize this is not as easy as i thought it would be there's there's a lot that is going on here so um so that's um that's point 3 on uh, on the demand gen component. Okay, we touched on this a little bit. The other one is is your engagement with sales changes, and especially with 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 sales development, your your engagement changes. So one of the things that you want to maybe stop thinking about is is marketing qualified leads. Uh, again, that you you can still rely on that for your demand gen activities and and as i said earlier on you you can definitely have two go to market strategies where you have one which is demand gen that is um that is mainly for smb or or, or mid market lower mid market and then you have your your account account based strategy that is for upper mid market and enterprise level organizations that you're going after but in that abm component your relationship with uh with sales definitely changes 
And and one of the one of the main components that uh, that alters is first of all, marketing goes across the sales spectrum. So you all of a sudden can add value in the pipeline process. So if 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 there is uh, if there is an account that is going through and they, there, it's an opportunity already, and um, and sales is working to close it, marketing can contribute there, and there are definitely strategies to do that. And also account expansion, which is uh, which is an area that uh, marketing might not as be as involved in uh, in in traditional demand gen. So so that's one of the one of the main components that changes with um, with the relationship between sales and marketing. The other component that changes in in terms of the relationship between sales and marketing is that you now you don't you know, traditionally we go say, Hey, MQLs over the fence sales, take care of the, the marketing qualified leads that we, we send through. And that's, that's where marketing draws the line. That's where marketing stops with ABM. That becomes a lot grayer. It is, there's no fence that you would throw things over. You would still follow up. One of the main objectives that you would, you would be looking at is, is the meetings that we're booking. And are are we booking more meetings within an account that we're targeting, uh, and uh, and and how can marketing contribute to to booking further meetings? So again, that relationship, just like I said previously, becomes a lot fuzzier in that in that early uh, early stages, as opposed to being a direct border MQL pass it over. So that's the other component. We talked about KPIs. And we talked quite a lot about the close collaboration and, and joint KPIs that sales and, sorry, not sales, that marketing and, and, and the SDR or the sales development team or the business development team, whatever you, you, you call them in your organization, market development team, I've heard as well, that collaboration and the joint KPIs become, becomes really important. You're all working towards booking more meetings. And... The KPIs that uh, that this, this comes from ITSMA, and those these are the ITSMA are the guys who kind of coined the term account-based marketing. They talk about the three R's, and the first R is re- relationship. So, how many relationships are you building within an organization, and how what kind of KPIs do you define in your in your organization to to relate to uh, relationships, new relationships, uh, or or fostering existing relationships. The other one is reputation. So how are you building further reputation within this account? Reputation becomes really important when you're going after big organization, when you're going after, again, a bank, 20,000 employees, there are multiple departments, there are multiple individuals that you need to take into consideration. You want people to be talking about the brand within that organization. How do you build that reputation there? Some of the Easier ways to do it, obviously, it could be for existing customers. You might be working one department of um, of NAB, and you want to you want seven other departments. So you look at, hey, what is our NPS at, at, at this one department? What how do they um, rating us? How many meetings are our sales team having regularly with this with this one department? How can we again correlate that to uh, to the reputation that we have in this in this organization? How many people? From different departments, not the department that we're working with, have engaged with our content uh, in in the past that we can we can objectively say there uh, there is there is engagement going on. So those are all the components that you would put in place to measure the um, the reputation within an account, right? And the last component is revenue. So that is 
pipeline generated, pipeline acceleration. Uh, that's another component that you, you definitely can measure. Um, you can take a look at obviously revenue that the dollar figure in the bank is, is the, is the holy grail. It's the, it's the last component that you want to measure, but uh, all these, these leading factors as well have a, um, have a place to, to look at. So relationship, reputation, and revenue, uh, are, are the, the three big rocks that you want to take into consideration and, and, and work everything around it, uh, in terms of the KPIs that you look at. Okay, last thing. Last thing is tools. Number six is tools. Before we jump in tools, we got any questions? Are we all good? Well, this might be a good time to go to Ranju's submitted question. Ranju, if you want to add anything to this, please do as well. A day in the life of an ABM strategist. Please elaborate on exactly what is done. Give a better perspective rather than hearing all the generic keywords and marketing catchphrases surrounding the topic. All right, man. Just putting us on the spot. Yeah. Andrew, you want to you you add a little bit of context to that? Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I just wanted to understand uh, with respect to probably an MNC and a startup. So I understand in a startup, you might not have enough budgets to actually implement ABM-based strategies. Because it's a lot of investment, uh, especially when you're looking at quarterly-based revenues, right? Mm. And uh, you, you're sort of held accountable for what have you done in this quarter and uh, what are the campaigns that have actually added to revenue in this quarter. So this is more of uh, a shift from traditional uh, quarterly-based revenue and accountability to, towards something of a larger picture. So how do you balance that in startups as well as uh, MNCs? Yeah, so so you're you're absolutely right. Like um, like in smaller organization, I think we've had this conversation previously in one of our one of our another ABM talk, where for smaller organizations you can't. It's just too risky to go after a two year sales cycle account, right? It's really risky to say to to put all your eggs in one basket and say, hey, we really want to close NAP. You know, for example, Oracle can do that, and if it doesn't go through, they're fine. They they would be they would be absolutely okay, and they would move forward because they got you know they got piles of cash that they can they can uh, burn, and uh, and if out of 10, 10 banks that they're going after, two of them work, they're you know they're happy. So you're you're right in terms of startups, it's really risky to put all your eggs in. Um, in a in a small number of accounts, and that's why usually in in the in the startup world you see organizations going down the ABM pyramid. And if you haven't seen the ABM pyramid, def- definitely make sure to maybe Google that. But what I mean by that is they would look at a larger number of accounts, and they would look look at type of accounts that might not need elaborate sales cycles, right? You 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 could potentially see results within a quarter, or at least you would see meetings booked and some opportunities generated within a quarter. So that's where you want to that's where you want to focus on when it comes to when it comes in, in in the SMB space. If you're if you are part of a startup or or in an SMB, that's where you want to focus on. You unfortunately unfortunately going after banks, I mean it does happen that an SMB lands a bank. Usually it's a founder's relationship or someone at the organization 
used to maybe work there and they have they have contacts and they would bring in and they would very easily open up the door and you start working with them but if you're going cold it's really is usually very challenging especially if you're in a saturated market competitive market now if you bring something you know super super new and it's part of an initiative of a bank and they want to explore that well you're very lucky and you're able to get in there but i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend to a startup where resources are tight revenue needs to come in the door quite quickly to focus on some of those big accounts with long sales cycles reduce the reduce the accounts in terms of the complexity of the sales that they're going to go through so don't focus on companies with 10,000 employees can we sell to companies with 200 employees sales cycle is a lot faster we can we can show results in a quick period of time but still do a certain level of personalization when you're going after that do still identify 200 accounts that are important to you and, and you think they're they fall in your ideal customer profile provide that work with your with your sales counterpart in order to reach out to those maybe maybe you could you could just a tad bit personalize the outreach maybe you can do a little bit of research in terms of the in terms of the outreach but maybe you can create a a whole ebook for one of those accounts and say why your solution helps them and have an elaborate explanation of, of how that looks like so that's i think that's how you got to approach it go with less complex organizations who would buy faster and uh and and spread your risk do you have any follow-up to that uh ranju oh hyper personalization versus abm is it technically the same uh yes yes and no so so ABM can be hyper personalized and especially when you're when you're in that strategic kind of one to few uh, ABM approaches so it it can be the same it can be the same and and yes there is a lot of buzzwords out there and people will be like you need a hyper personalized campaign yes ABM can be hyper personalized for sure when you're you know you're trying to close Telstra as a as a client you would do tons of research in terms of what they're talking about in their annual report. You would look look at what they're uh, what they're saying on social. You would I- identify the the buying centers and departments that are important to you. Who are the individuals in there that are that are important? What are those individuals talking about in social? Can you take something that they've talked about and 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 put it in an outreach component? How can you create messages? It could be videos. It could be I know Oracle. Like there was a there was a campaign. I keep saying Oracle. But I know Oracle in one of their campaigns created a whole app for a deal that they wanted to close. Like they had software developers build a build a build a complete app for one account because it was a fifty million dollar deal, right? So uh, so yes, uh, ABM can be hyper personalized, and but there are different types of ABMs. And as you as you um, kind of go lower in the pyramid of, of accounts, that personalization drops. So, so I would say two components. ABM is personalized and targeted. So it's a it's a it's a targeting component as well that that comes into. Uh, it's not like you're 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 personalizing for everybody. It's hyper personalization for your targeted accounts. Okay, let's talk about last the last tool. Now, I know we all tool we all love tools with tool geeks and uh, and and geek out over tools. Now. I want to say this with a caveat. We have ran successful ABM campaigns without heavily relying on fancy tools that are out there. 
So if you are starting with, with ABM, you don't need, you know, massive 30, 40, 50,000, $60,000 a year tools to, uh, to kind of run your ABM campaign. But what are some of the, some of the tools and, and platforms that, that, that you see regularly used for, uh, for ABM? So the first one is advertising. Now, the basic component is if you're running some, link, link, some ads on LinkedIn, that's that's just step zero probably. So you know, running advertising some of the known platforms, and then there are there are vendors that would provide you with the ability to do IP targeted ads, where you know the the accounts that you're going after, you've identified them, and there these companies usually are you know if if you're above fifty seats, your IP address is probably known. So then you would you would match that with an organization or or, or a, a vendor who does specifically has the capability of of showing ads to a specific IP address on the on the web, right? So that's that's the advertising component. The other tool that 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 you would see, and probably it's the second one you want to think about is engagement. So how are you going to measure the engagement of the accounts that uh, that you're going after? You can do it manually. It's all good. And it's fine if you're targeting 20 accounts. Um, you, could, you, could, you could manage that manually. But if you're going after larger, if you want to have a more systematic approach to it, how, how can you measure engagement? So engagement could be in your, the most obvious one and probably one that everybody uses is, hey, we're sending these emails. We want to know if they're opening it or not. And we don't want to see it as a at a macro level. We want to see it at a micro level. Has this individual in this account opened up our, our, our emails? And that could be between sales and marketing. Then you want to go maybe and see if you can implement a tool that gives you an indication of engagement on your digital assets. So you might be running LinkedIn ads. You can grab those information in terms of which accounts have they interacted with our ads, but maybe didn't didn't uh, f- fill a form or convert. So that's one other component. Then you can leverage tools like Leadfeeder, um, or there's just a plethora of them out there where they would do reverse IP lookup on your on your assets on the web. So let's say your website. You would you would install one of these tools, and they would look at the um, the traffic that is coming on your site. Again, they would know the IP addresses of the organization, and they would match it with their database and say, "Hey, this account is looking at your your this blog or the, your your homepage or whatever it is." Right. So that is another component that you can see. Hey, we were targeting this account. Are they engaging with uh, with our digital assets? So engagement is an, is another one that. Uh, uh, another lo- level of sophistication that you want to you want to look at, and what really engagement is going to give you insight into is first party intent. So you're going to know does this is there some intent within this organization to buy what we're selling? Are they interested in it or not? The third component is uh, is um, third party intent data. So going out and and speaking to organizations who sell intent data, let's say you are in cloud security. There are organizations who would would provide you with a list of companies who are in the market right now uh, looking for um, uh, cloud security solutions, right? And the way they do that is that they will partner with a number of different publishers across the web. And just like you are monitoring your website 
with IP addresses of specific accounts coming in and you would look at, hey, they're looking at this particular service that we offer. So there's probably some intent for them buying this particular service. They would do that with hundreds of thousands of, uh, of uh, platforms out there and they would partner with them and they capture that data to see, hey, this particular account is reading quite a lot about this this particular topic. We're going to say that they have some some intent in buying that. It's a lot more sophisticated than that. I'm simplifying it, but intent is definitely definitely part of the equation. What else? What else? Oh, right. And probably the fourth one, the fourth tool that is that is quite important to to take into consideration is your data enrichment. So, marketing, sales, and sales ops has sit have sit down. And they say the most important accounts that we want to target. Okay, we have these decision makers. How can we enrich? How can we get their email addresses? How can we get their phone numbers potentially? How can we get further data on these decision makers um, uh, and, uh, and, and better enable our sales team? That's, that's data enrichment. So there are definitely tools out there for data enrichment that you can leverage in order to get a better understanding of the, uh, uh, of the prospects, the decision makers that you're going, the stakeholders that you're going after in the accounts that, that you're targeting. So that's what I would say. Those are probably four main tool categories that, uh, that you want to take into consideration. In terms of priority, obviously your advertising is one. Probably number two is your, your data enrichment it would have the, the most impact. Number three would be engagement. And number four would be, you know, buying intent data um, externally. There are a lot more tools out there. There are a lot of other people that, that offer more granular stuff. Uh, it's, it's case by case that, that you got to consider whether that makes sense to, uh, to purchase or, or not. So, uh, so those, that's the, that's the tool. So that's the sixth component in terms of thinking about, you know, what would be different moving from demand gen to, uh, to ABM. And that's, uh, yeah. We got any questions? I, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to ask this one. I know we've covered this quite a bit today already. And also in the last session, but just because Jason is here now and he's asked it, and I think when we met, we covered it last time, he, he had dropped down. Jason's question, Jason, if you want to add anything to this, please do. What metrics do you use to convert an account to an MQL? Mm, yeah. I've been having really challenge. I'm actually in, on the sales side, but I love what you've been sharing because I've been a little bit struggling connecting with my marketing department on the activities to get us any marketing qualified leads and it's always like, okay, what metrics are you to get something to us? And we're really struggling because I, I don't get any MQLs from my marketing department. And it's been this ongoing str- struggle. <laughs> so I'm taking it upon myself to learn more uh, because I don't understand, you know, I don't know. We're just having like a, I hear this happens a lot where marketing yes. and sales are going like this. And so I'm just being proactive to learn as much as I can to without being mean, but just trying to proactively, how do I get it from them? <laughs> got it. Got it. Is um, Jason, maybe let me ask a question. So does, does marketing has a MQL target that they're not hitting? Is that? Yeah, I, I feel we have more of a communication, a comm department 
in a PR department more than an actual marketing department. Mm. You know, they say like, hey, look, we have 250,000 people looking at our YouTube video. And I'm like, great. So what's your qualification to get those over to me? And what what's how are you, you know, getting that data to me <laughs> or, or or the the leads that I can even qualify? And I'm, I'm always the boy like, I don't even care. Because I'm used like some people, some salespeople say, "Oh man, I don't want five thousand leads," and like, "Hey man, I'll embrace anything. Just get you know, get me the five thousand leads, and I'll I'll deal with it. I don't you know, I just, <laughs> just give me something." So I'm, yeah, whatever sorry. whatever you can get your hands on. Okay, so I think there there are two ways to approach this. If uh, if an organization wants to, so the MQL model, right? Um, is a little bit tricky because usually marketing can, if you have an MQL target that you got to hit, you can hit it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get good leads for sales, right? That's one of the, one of the major challenges with, uh, with MQLs that you can say, Hey, they, um, how do organizations usually create MQLs? They would go and say, you know, we would create a, um, a lead scoring methodology. Um, and the most basic lead scoring methodology is, is saying, hey, they just filled the form and we're going to pass it to sales. Now, they maybe downloaded some ebook, they, um, they attended a webinar, or, or maybe they requested a demo, pass it to sales, which is, which, really frustrate sales because people who download an ebook are not looking to be sold to. Uh, someone who attends a webinar is not interested to, to buy something. So, so that's the, 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 the bare minimum components. Then what, what maybe more sophisticated organizations would do is they would come and say, uh, we're going to do lead scoring. So we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna capture leads and then we're going to have a system that scores these leads. So we would, if they look at our case study pages, we give them 10 points. If they look at our, uh, our homepage, if they open up our email, if they do this and this and this, any kind of interaction they have, they will get certain points. And then when they get to 50 points, that's a cutoff, uh, that's the threshold. And we're going to pass that to, to sales. Right, so that's the that's how the traditional MQL model would uh, would work. When it comes to ABM, and if 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 somebody is is approaching ABM to in, in implementing ABM, we usually recommend that to move away from MQL, right? And we talk to marketing, and we say, first of all, you need to provide um, uh, you you need to sit down and understand who the ideal customer profile is. So you need to build that with sales. Uh, in the involvement of sales and marketing of who is the ideal customer profile. Identify how many, what is the TAM? What is the total addressable market? How many, how many organizations do fall in that category? Is it 200? Is it 1,000? Is it 50,000? What is, what is the TAM that we're, we're looking at? Now, then the difference that, that, that happens is, okay, how much money are we going to make from each account? Is it going to be $200,000 or is it $2,000? If it's $2,000, you are going to rely on probably some sort of a qualification metric. So you are going to look at MQLs. But if it's $200,000, well, now we can have sales and marketing a lot more engaged in order to reach out to these accounts. And what, what you can do is marketing would be responsible for identifying the right accounts, who these accounts are, providing that to sales and then working with and saying to sales, hey, 
here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be covering, we're going to be doing air cover for you. We're going to be running ads specifically to these, uh, to these accounts. We're going to leverage LinkedIn. We're going to use IP targeted ads and do air cover for, uh, for our sales team. And maybe we do that two, three weeks before sales start doing outreach. Also, what we're going to be doing is we're going to introduce an, a direct mail component for these uh, for these accounts. And we know that, hey, in these accounts, the most important person for us is the head of HR. And we're going to be sending maybe a gift card to them. Maybe we send a, um, a le- handwritten letter to them and marketing. We will take care of that component. But then what we need is we need a very clear cadence that, hey, today we're going to be sending this letter two days later after delivery, we need sales to follow up on that uh, and send an email. And then a day after that, make a call. And then, and, and then after that marketing would have another activity there that, that they would do. So you see the activities become extremely closely, closely knitted as opposed to marketing saying, here are the leads, go and, and enjoy it. Again, that, that works when you're selling smaller items, when you, when you are selling that $2,000 contracts or whatever it is it that works but when you go up market when you're when your purchases become more expensive uh, the items that you're selling is, is more expensive that model becomes a little bit more shaky uh in order to implement it so that's the approach that i would that i would say that you know and and also marketing and this doesn't help you we need to uh we need to kind of especially in that enterprise space we do need to put our ego aside and understand that sales is probably our biggest customer. And we have to, we, there is a lot of work that we can do with sales and make sure that, that we address that. I understand that does not sell, solve your, your problem right now, but, uh, but that's the approach that, that, that we, we take and, and it works with a lot of our customers. Thank you. Do you have like a timeline of um, what one of our biggest problem is we're a German-based company. Uh, we manufacture motion picture cameras, lenses, and but uh, the the mothership is very secretive. Like like even to let us know what the product is before launch. So so I don't I don't at all like you know hit on marketing you know. But it's like you know, but it's like even they don't get enough time to like like, hello, can we get the product earlier enough? So we know what we're, but it's so secretive. It's like, they don't, you know, they think we're going to leak it out or something, but it's, yeah. So we always have like timeline parameter issues also, especially Mm. when launching new products. It's like, they're very secretive and it's like, great, here it is. Okay. Start selling tomorrow. And you're like, oh, great. You know? So, you know, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes when the, customer knows before you do sometimes oh, oh i wow. see this thing you're just like oh great thanks you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah look it, it does take time to start to to put a campaign together like it 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 takes easy easy two months to put an effective campaign in place for uh for a product right an, an abm campaign and in some cases it takes longer so uh so yeah it, that that expectation is really important to be set um, because everybody wants revenue right right out the door, right? And we say, if you want revenue this quarter, you should be thinking about it last quarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if 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 now it's really important, we if we're talking now, you got to think next quarter. So uh, some people are proactive like that, some are not. But it, setting those expectations is really really crucial. I'm a big I'm fan of your company too, Jason. 
What's that? I'm a big fan of your company too, as you might have seen some of the ah. items I have back here. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah, I think our challenging thing is because of our history, there's been so much about like the product sells itself kind of mentality and, you know, times have changed and so much competition and, you know, it's, it's, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of the, yeah, this challenge. A lot of legacy <laughs> yeah. as well. Hard. Stuff, so. but think, anyways i appreciate i appreciate your thoughts thank no, you no problem no problem we got we got let's let's cover one last question no yeah. noam you have a question or you got, you got something that you want to you want to share yeah yeah i do um actually just on on jason's last point yeah it's, uh, it's interesting when you're coming from a company that is very much sort of product-led or becoming product-led uh, versus sales-led. And I think being um, trying, to, trying to move into being a, a more market-led company is, uh, I think it's the best way to go, but there's a lot of companies that aren't there yet and a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, but we sort of uh, uh, traditionally have been kind of sale, like product and sales. So we build a product and then we just find a market for it. Um, the other thing is being sales led. So like the sales team, they have all the pressure on them. They have to convert. They, they're the ones that are given these, these high growth targets. And now we're in a position where, you know what, marketing can really change that around. But we, uh, we run a business with both uh, an, an enterprise sales team uh, and also an SMB sales team um, and the products and the target market are different. But in growing an internal team, what do you think about, you know, two separate teams in marketing as well, supporting those two different segments? In, in the early stage, for me, it would just be having one person who supports the enterprise team and the other person who supports the SMB team, um, or would we, would we just be, you know, doubling up on skills in, in the company and and that kind of thing? No. So yeah, I your ideal situation would be to address separate teams with separate team members from marketing, separate sales teams with separate sales, se- separate marketing teams as well. I mean, I understand that sometimes that 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 might be really hard in terms of resources, but uh, but your your KPIs are going to be different, right? Um, you're going to be looking at different KPIs for your SMB than your enterprise. So you can't have one person who would have, who would have, you know, SMB KPIs and then enterprise KPIs. And what happens if you do have that, they're, they're probably going to be better at, at one or the other. And what happens is they will gravitate towards the ones that, that, that they're better at. Okay. And, uh, and then the other side would be neglected. So yeah, you most definitely want to have, Again, if resources, if you have the resources, you want to have uh, different team members who would who would work on 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 the uh, on the enterprise versus the SMB component, uh, if if possible. Okay. okay, thank you. Yeah, and again, you know, I've I've said this before. You see, very often, very often. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with a CMO, and uh, and he was he had exactly the same question. Company that recently went public in Australia, and they were they were asking. You know, we have these two markets. We're going product-led with one, and we have some sales inbound sales team in, in there. And then we have this enterprise component. Absolutely fine to have two go-to-market strategies and a two-prong go-to-market strategy where one focuses on SMB, one focuses on uh, on uh, the enterprise and ABM component. 
Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to join our next ABM Talk session live, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for the support and we'll see you in the next one.